Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I am Thomas Goldcamp. Uh, I'll be hosting today's show by myself. We had a couple technical difficulties and weren't able to get Luke Stampini on. But uh, we have some great content that we've, we've come up with this week. Florida obviously got back at it at spring practice this week after about a week off. And the Gators have now had two spring scrimmages. Uh, so we're working to get you some inside information on the second scrimmage. Uh, we hope to have that posted in the next few hours on Swamp247.com for all our VIP subscribers. But there's a few other topics we want to hit on today. Uh, just a quick brief outline of what we'll be talking about. Uh, Dan Mullen had some really interesting comments, I thought, this week on just how much you can develop a quarterback's accuracy. So we're going to dive into that pretty heavily because I think that's really one of the things that fans want to know about Felipe Franks is his, can he improve as a, as a passer and become more consistent and more accurate. So that's going to be our, our probably our major topic. Florida also added a quarterback commitment in Anthony Richardson, so we'll, we'll hit on that a little bit. And then uh, there's two other things I think I think we can kind of round out you know, what the discussion around the Florida Gators has been this week. Um, one of them is I think we're starting to see in spring practice that Florida is starting to find its identity, um, and I think the coaching staff really is starting to understand what they're going to have to do in 2019 as a team. And so we'll, we'll touch on that and kind of the approach that they've taken to spring practice with that in mind. And then finally, you know, Georgia announced this week that it's got some some big future series scheduled home and homes with Florida State. Obviously, they're playing some some games against Clemson down the road, and that inevitably begs the question, why doesn't Florida do more of these games? Um, so we'll get into that. I have, I have some thoughts of my own on that, um, and I know that's always a hot-button topic, so we'll touch on that towards the end of the show. But to get us started, I think uh, the, the, the best thing we can do is, is just kind of dive right into Dan Mullen's comments on whether or not you can improve accuracy as a quarterback. Um, you know, Felipe Franks obviously had a very rough 2017 season, was just around the, the 55% completion percentage mark, which really, really isn't that good. Now, I, th- I think the thing that really excites Florida fans is that you saw that number jump by almost four full percentage points last year with just one year in Dan Mullen's system. And so the question becomes, can that jump even more in 2019? Because if it does, Florida could be in, in position to have a really competent offense. So real quick, here's here's kind of how the question was couched to Dan Mullen. I'll let you guys go ahead and listen to his response on whether or not you can fix uh, a, a quarterback's accuracy through coaching. Hey Dan, I heard um, I've heard coaches say in the past that like when it comes to like college QBs, once they get to college, they kind of are who they are in terms of accuracy. Um, how like in your experience, like how much can a guy develop his accuracy? Well, a lot. I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't agree with that statement. I think guys get a lot more accurate when they get to college because they get, they, you know, if, 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 if they're well coached, they're learning a lot of little technical things that are going to make them more accurate. I don't know that can have you have a lot more arm strength. I mean, you're going to obviously build part of that up. I would say that might be you kind of a little bit you are who you are. Um, but accuracy, I think, something that has a lot to do with coaching and quarterbacks in college. And um, now there's a lot of different ways you can look at accuracy. You know, to me, you know, a, a lot of people maybe look at accuracy through completion percentage, which is com- not that has absolutely nothing to do with that at all. Uh, accuracy to me is ball placement, and. Um, I think there's a lot to do of developing and coaching that goes on with ball placement. 
And so obviously I think the next question after that, you know, okay, you can you can tweak some mechanics and, and coach some improvement in terms of all that. Well, has Franks actually gotten better at it yet? And here's what Dan Mullen had to say to that follow-up question. Felipe said he's been working on his accuracy. Have you seen improvement in that area with him? Well, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's uh, I think he's gotten a lot better. I think, you know, part of it is I think in the I think he's done a good job working off his frustration, you know, of, you know, if he makes a bad throw, they doesn't make three bad throws. Right. I mean, if he makes a bad throw, I mean, you look up and say, all right, you know, that's a bad throw. Guess what? I mean, it's not real hard to see that that was a terrible throw. So. Don't worry about that one anymore. Worry about the next one where I think he probably used to get frustrated with it. And obviously that's something, you know, Florida fans can relate to. You know, Felipe Franks seemed to go through those stretches where, um, you know, one bad play or one false start from one of his guys, one missed throw would just really collapse an entire offensive series. And it's one of the reasons Florida was so inconsistent offensively, not just with Felipe Franks, but really for the offense uh, throughout the Will Muschamp and Jim McElwain eras. And I think that's what was so encouraging for Florida fans last year. Dan Mullen was able to really kind of warp the mentality and and completely change Franks' outlook. Now, I, I don't think that he's fully gotten Franks to where, you know, he wants him to be in terms of instantly forgetting those mistakes and moving on. Because he still had comments here and there, you know, I wish Felipe would just, you know, not get that pouty face or whatever. But but Franks has obviously improved in that quite a bit. And I think it was really interesting to hear Mullen's comments about how you can how you can fix a quarterback's accuracy. Because we actually, we, we've talked about it a couple times on this podcast already. Felipe Franks does look like a different passer this spring to me. I mean, he is putting more loft on his deep ball. Um, which is something that, you know, obviously Florida's receivers are going to be extremely excited about. Van Jefferson had to have had nightmares last year with the amount of deep balls that Felipe Franks threw for him after he had burned a guy in coverage, uh, only for that pass to sail two, three yards just out of reach. So I think Felipe Franks has, has made it a point to just kind of get in the indoor practice facility and work with his guys on timing. You know, it's year two in the system. We talked about the comfort level there. I think that he's just feeling much more confident and I think, you know, like Dan Mullen said, a lot of it is just reps. You know, you've got to get practice doing that, you know, those kind of things. You know, Felipe Franks is a very long guy. Um, it, you know, we didn't include the clip of Dan Mullen talking about that. But when you have a, a big, rangy, tall quarterback like that, Dan Mullen pointed out a lot of times people look at those guys like the Felipe Franks, you know, 6'6", six, six, um, extremely long as, a, as an athlete. And they think, okay, they see the arm strength. Okay, this guy can throw it a mile. But sometimes that creates an elongated delivery. You know, I mean, they, those guys have to carry the ball back so much further that mechanically um, that can throw some some kinks into things. And so I think that Florida in particular with Felipe Franks has shortened up his delivery a little bit and really worked the muscle memory. And it was really interesting at one of the practices this week um, that the media was able to see. It's not just Felipe Franks they're working with mechanically. Um, we've been pretty critical of Jalen Jones, the true freshman early enrollee, just in terms of how how wonky his delivery looks, you know, it's it's a when he first got here in the spring, it was a very elongated kind of um, almost a not sidearm motion, but it, it just wasn't very clean. You you watched it and you were like, man, that just doesn't that doesn't look comfortable. And certainly, Jalen Jones has had trouble pushing the ball down the field. I think in big part because of that. Well, in one of the practices that we were able to see this week, um, quarterbacks coach Brian Johnson was was really working extensively with him, and you could see them 
going through after one of the drills, Johnson spent about two minutes with him just working on that snapback motion of his arm to, to really speed that part of his delivery up so that he can get the ball out quicker. And I'm not sure yet if um, that will significantly improve Jones's accuracy, but to see the, the level of detail that they're spending working through the mechanics, I think gives you a lot of reason to be really excited if you're a Florida fan about you know the jump that Felipe Franks can possibly make. And then I think the other part of that equation, you know, when Dan Mullen talks about completion percentage being a little bit misleading, if you go back to 2017, when Felipe Franks was about a 55%, you know, passer, um, that number probably actually should have been even a little lower. And what I mean by that is there were a lot of times where Felipe Franks should have thrown the ball away, and that would have been the smart quarterback play to live for another down, where he ran out of bounds and took a loss, you know, on a sack. And so those numbers can be a little bit misleading. I think the fact that that Franks, you know, did improve to about 59% last year, um, and he made more of those throwaway throws that actually get factored into the number, I think his jump was probably bigger than a lot of fans even realize. Now, there's obviously still a long way to go, and I think deep ball, deep ball, deep ball is the number one spot that he needs to improve. But I think that fans have every reason to think that Felipe Franks' improvement could really, really continue throughout this season. And I think... We've seen already this spring that the touch just looks a lot better. And I think that, um, you know, Dan Mullen is is obviously known for molding quarterbacks. And I think part of that is just understanding mechanically how a throw should happen. Um, and so we'll, we'll touch a little bit um, later in the show on another drill that I thought was particularly interesting in terms of the quarterback. But first I wanted to get to Anthony Richardson's commitment. Obviously he decommitted from Florida a few weeks ago. And um, he, he has decided to jump back on board with Florida. Obviously a terrific, terrific dual threat athlete. I think, you know, as Florida continues to get deeper and deeper into the Dan Mullen era, you're starting to see what Mullen's ideal quarterback looks like. Um, you know, Felipe Franks has obviously turned into a pretty good fit as he's learned to run as a more physical player. But guys like Anthony Richardson, guys like even Jalen Jones and Emery Jones, those are guys that can run primarily if they want to. Um, I, I would never view Felipe Franks as a, uh, a run-first quarterback. I'm not saying that, that you know Richardson and some of these other guys are necessarily run-first and can't be good passers, but you look at an Anthony Richardson and you're getting a little bit more of a raw prospect where you are going to have that, again, that process of development on accuracy where they probably tweak his mechanics a little bit because he's another one of those bigger, kind of longer guys, um, and maybe it takes a year or two. But I think when you look at Anthony Richardson's highlights and you look at his film, Florida's adding to me a player there that Dan Mullen will really, really be able to work with who has some elite physical tools to work with down the road. And I think that's really an exciting prospect for Florida. You know, I know fans uh, were, were upset over the Carson Beck decommitment. But I think when you look at, you know, scheme fits, I think Anthony Richardson can certainly be your guy. And, uh, you know, given Dan Mullen's penchant for developing quarterbacks, I think you have to be excited that Richardson's back on board and maybe at this point, maybe even has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder based on the way the quarterback recruiting kind of unfolded. You know, obviously Florida staff did a good job staying continually in that recruitment with Richardson to get him back on board. And I, I certainly, I don't, I wouldn't say there were any missteps on Florida's part there. Um, but you know, if, Hey, if Anthony Richardson says, Hey, they wanted Carson back, I'm going to show them what's up. That's a good thing for Florida. Um, so obviously a huge commitment today for the Florida Gators and for Dan Mullen. Kind of going back a little bit more now towards how Florida has structured practices this spring. You know, we talked about 
the focus on accuracy. One of the most interesting takeaways I had from an open practice this week was that almost the entire practice, and this was practice nine, it was their first practice after the team's first scrimmage of the spring, almost the entire practice focused on kind of broken plays, if you will, um, where Florida worked extensively on getting the QBs out of the pocket, having them throw off balance. Dan Mullen talked quite quite a bit about that um, in his press conference before the practice and said, you know, a lot of quarterbacks can throw fine when they've got great protection and they've got their feet set. He wants to work on the things that guys aren't as good at. And so I think what... In, I think that's that's twofold. One, I think he wants his quarterbacks able to get the ball out in any type of situation. And that obviously makes a ton of sense. You want your guys to, when a play breaks down, still be able to get something out of it. And that's probably an area that Florida hasn't typically been that good at in the last couple of years. I thought they were a lot better at it last year. And, and certainly Felipe Franks embracing his ability to run really, really helped towards the end of the season in that regard. But I think the second thing it tells you is I think this Florida staff is really starting to get a good handle on who they're going to be in 2019 as a football team. I think that this team is going to have a very different identity than last year's team, at least in the beginning of the season. And the reason for that is pretty simple. You've got an offensive line that is absolutely swimming right now, having to replace four veteran starters um, with virtually no quality experience depth behind them. And so I think you're you compound that with the fact that you start with a season opener against Miami and Florida has to prepare as if, you know, things are going to go poorly up front, you know, and you hate to say that there's a lot of developmental time in between now and that season opener. But if you're Florida and you're the coaches, you can't expect the unit that you roll out there against Miami up front on the O-line to be the kind of unit that you dominated Michigan with late in the season last year. It's just not going to happen. Those guys are going to have to go through growing pains early in the season. And so I, I thought, to me, it was absolutely riveting that Florida spent individual periods of practice where the quarterbacks were literally working on falling to the ground with a ball in their hand because they don't want um, they don't want any issues with ball security. Now, Florida's far from the first team to do stuff like that. Most, most teams go through ball security drills. Um, but then later in the practice, you see the quarterbacks working on those off-balance throws where they're, they're sprinting out to the flats after you know simulated pressure, and they're throwing to the flats, to the running backs. You know That's, that's something that Florida is going to have to be able to do. And I, I thought Dan Mullen had an interesting comment about kind of structuring the spring so that they're focused on developing areas that the team needs to be better. And what he meant by that is basically there are certain things we know that we can be good at. We know LaMichael P. Ryan's going to be a good back. We know Chris Henderson is going to be a terrific cornerback. We don't really need to see those guys that much in spring. So I'll actually go ahead and let uh, Mullen speak for himself because I thought this was a really insightful answer that he had during his press conference this week. Here, here's what he said about kind of the way the team is preparing through spring. What did y'all think? I, I thought, you know, I mean, it, w w the things you're pleased is guys you're expecting to make plays made plays. You know, I think our, our quarterback and receivers made some pretty – Pretty good plays. Uh, you know, I mean, if you flip the ball to Kadarius Tony, something exciting is going to happen. Um, good and bad. You know, who knows where he's going. So, but the positive of that is, 
moving forward is I don't need to see lots of that. You know what I mean? It's, you know, we talk about it is I, I could sit there on Saturday scrimmage and we could sit there and have P. Ryan carry the ball 32 times. But, you know, I, I, I could, you know, just find, just get it two touches for the kid Harris Tony, but we already know that's stuff that's going to happen. How do we execute the other things? And so a lot of our focus is always on maybe, you know, not this, you know, uh, hey, we, we, we can get a lot of pressure on this blitz. Great. Can we get pressure when we're not blitzing? You know what I mean? Or, um, hey, we can pound the ball. Hey, you know, we can, we got a great one-on-one -on -one matchup with Van Jefferson. Great. Can we execute other parts of the game? And so I, I thought there were a lot of positives in guys that we knew had experience and, and to see them actually continue to grow and even get better at what they've done. Uh, and I think a lot uh, that that's my responsibility as a head coach. You know, the offensive staff, they want to do whatever it takes to drive the ball and score points. The defensive staff wants to completely shut us down. I want to make sure we're developing everything we need on both sides of the ball. Um, I'm not concerned of whether or not we, the offense or the defense wins a scrimmage uh, as much as I are we developing the program. You know, the offensive guys all want to win. The defensive guys all want to win. And I'm in between wanting to make sure we develop. And you've seen that a lot this spring. I don't think there's any question. You know, we, we talked about it. Michael P. Ryan barely, barely got any touches in the team's first scrimmage. You just, you don't you don't need to know what a guy like that can do. You already know. So it's much better time, much better that you spend time working with the guys like the Damian Pierces, the Iverson Clements, um, the Malik Davises, who, you know, you probably know something about, but you don't fully know. Or, you know, simply focusing heavily, like they did in this, this practice nine that we were able to see, on short yardage situations, on the run game, you know, let your offensive line rep 70 plays in a practice of straight run game because Florida's going to have to lean on that next fall. Um, I, I think your ability to do that and expose your team to areas that it's probably least comfortable with is a, is a tricky balance you have to find. But I think that Dan Mullen and his staff's understanding that that's the only way they're going to get better quickly is, is really... I think it's 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 powerful. I think that Florida needs to be doing that, and I think Dan Mullen's doing a really good job of that. I, I think that in a lot of ways, the last two coaches at Florida here, I don't know that I saw that level of adjustment. You know, it's it's Florida is literally working on sh things that it's not good at right now. You know, at the expense of maybe looking good in practice in front of the media and the fans. You know, it's it not all the practices have been that clean, and you'd expect that because they're doing things that they're not comfortable with. Um, so I, I thought that was pretty interesting. That was kind of one of my takeaways from from practice this week. I, I just think Florida, at this point, it's pretty clear the coaches know that they're going to have a little bit of a liability on the offensive line going into the season. And I think we've seen, even earlier in spring, the offense was really, really working on tempo. You know, get into the line quickly because that's when you're thinking less. You probably have less penchant to make mistakes or worry about, you know, am I supposed to block this gap or this guy or this and that. And instead, you just kind of get up there quickly and you play. And that can help you develop some rhythm. It can help you develop some confidence. And really, you know, Florida did it a little bit last year, but I think you're going to see a lot more up-tempo this year, it, you know, assuming the offensive line is in a place where they feel comfortable about the unit's physical ability to hold up for 70 snaps a game. And that's the other thing I think that, that Florida really needs to work on this spring is there's a big, big difference in the sheer amount of full intensity snaps that you're going to get 
when you're suddenly a starter on the offensive line as opposed to a guy who maybe plays two series. You know, it's it's a vast jump. And we talked to some of the offensive linemen this week, and they said that. They're like, man, it's uh, <laughs> that first scrimmage. Like, we really, really got a taste of what it's going to be like. And I think that now that they're starting to do that, having had the second scrimmage today, you're going to see that offensive line really start to dedicate itself in the weight room and in the offseason program. And I think that's absolutely vital for Florida going forward. Um, I, I just think this staff is clearly working toward building around an offensive line that's going to have some issues early on. And I, w- I would fully expect that that unit is much better by the end of the year than it is at the beginning of the year. But that's that's kind of, we know that right now. Florida's not going to be great on the offensive line, and it's going to be up to Felipe Franks and LaMichael Pirine to really ride the run game, get the ball out quickly, and, um, and, and really just try to build some confidence as the season goes on. So having said all that, I think... Uh, We'll move over to the hot hot topic, the home-and-home home scheduling discussion, which I know fans have decidedly different takes on, depending on which side of the fence you're on. I know a lot of season ticket holders prefer to see those marquee matchups in, at home in the Swamp. Everybody would love to see Texas or USC or Oklahoma come to the Swamp, right? It, it would be Those are the kind of games people live for. Nobody really cares about Charleston Southern or the Citadel. And I get it. I get it. Here's what Dan Mullen had to say on how much influence he has in the scheduling and controlling stuff like that and why it just it, it's that's the wrong argument to be making that Florida should play more home and homes. Here, here's what Dan Mullen had to say. Georgia recently scheduled Florida State and their, um, Clemson. I mean, way down the road. I was looking at the dates and going, man, I, I'll be unemployed by the <laughs> But um, <laughs> but no. Chances are me too. <laughs> if you look at the odds, <laughs> um, whatever. Yeah. yeah. I, I know you don't have a huge hand in the schedule, but I'm sure you have some. I input. do. Oh, you do. Yeah. Well, how, how aggressively do you want to see Florida's schedule going forward? Uh, we we play Florida State, so people are trying to catch up to us with how tough our schedule is. To be honest with you, I mean, we play Florida State every year. Right? I mean, people made big, I guess, if Georgia's playing them, that's, they're trying to catch up to us, I guess, and, and toughen their schedule. Because we play one of the toughest schedules. Uh, I think, boy, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody non-conference next year. We're playing Miami and Florida State. I just mean long-term. Do you see, would you like a home-and-home? Home? Like, they're maybe looking at Oklahoma. That's a report. I don't know if it's true. Would you like to get something... Well, like I said, we already have that with Florida State. Okay. I, you know, I think that's one thing that probably gets looked down upon. Um, would, would everybody? I would. Would it be better to drop Florida State and schedule Oklahoma? And that probably wouldn't go over so well. Uh, so we already have that in scheduling. Uh, Scott and I talk about it. You know, we play one. We play in the Southeastern Conference, so we're already playing one of the toughest schedules in the country. Uh, you know, within within recruiting philosophy, one of the, the other tricky things we do is we play, you know, the chance every other year we're playing a home game away from home already. Uh, we want to make sure we keep enough home games here in the swamp for our fans to come see our, our guys play. I mean, this is one of the greatest stadium in college football. To be able to make sure we're playing enough games in there. Um, and, you know, so I think that's what's, that's what's always um, – Tricky. We always try to do what's best for the program uh, and play games that are uh, that fit the program. I've always been under that deal. I, I love, uh, you know, 
I, I want to do what we think is best for the program. You know, I mean, and I think when you look scheduling wise, we even since I've been here, we try to do that um, with who we've scheduled. You know, I, and and also try to make it intriguing for people and fun. I mean, like we have South Florida coming up on the schedule. That's a, you know, that's probably a much bigger game in the state of Florida than it would be to people in, you know, Montana. Um, but they're more concerned about the Montana-Montana State game. Um, they, that's a big game for people in Montana. It's probably not as big a deal for people here. So I think we've tried to really pay attention to schedule that way and um, make a schedule that's good for the program and good for, our, for the Gator fans. And none, none of that is necessarily new information to Florida fans. I mean, everybody kind of knows with the setup in, in Georgia, or the setup with the Georgia game in Jacksonville, that you're giving up a home game every other year, a game that would be played at home if it wasn't played in Jacksonville. So not only do you lose the recruiting chance of an extra home game there, but because you also have an annual home-and-home -home rivalry with Florida State, it really limits how many different years you can add in another opponent. And quite frankly, Miami is going to get precedence over just about any other program when it comes to scheduling an extra home-and-home -home with a good opponent because fans and boosters and the guys that drive um, some of the decision-making in the athletic department, that's the game they want to see. Like That's the one that matters for people in the state of Florida. Um, would it be awesome for Florida to play a Texas or USC? Yes. But here's another reason Florida is not going to, and I would say probably shouldn't, um, be looking into scheduling more of those games. You're Scott Strickland, okay? You're the athletics director at Florida. You're in a well-paid, cushy job. It's You certainly don't want to lose that job. You are heavily, heavily invested financially in Dan Mullen, okay? So if we're looking at this from just strictly from a, num a numbers and financial standpoint, you've got like a $36 million commitment to Dan Mullen. Do you want to increase the risk that he will have a tough schedule and will not live up to expectations, which bottom line are championships at the University of Florida, by throwing in an extra game that traditionally Florida has never, ever needed, okay? Florida's three national championships, here are the non-conference teams not named FSU. In 1996, Florida played Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns, and Georgia Southern, okay? This was before they had 12 games. Did not hurt Florida one bit, okay? Florida still won a national championship. 2006, Florida plays Southern Miss, Central Florida, and Western Carolina. All absolutely forgettable games. Florida ran, you know, ran over them. And you know what? It wasn't the greatest home schedule because those aren't intriguing games. But you know what? Florida fans probably liked playing in the national championship too, okay? And Urban Meyer, you know, say you throw, um, I don't know, throw a Texas in there that year. What if Florida loses a season opener, you know, against Texas? Suddenly the conversation about Urban Meyer's tenure at Florida could be very different. Um, 2008 was the lone exception where Florida played an actual quality non-conference opponent other than Florida State. Guess who it was? It was Miami. Okay, so that's the game that's going to get precedence. And the the bottom line to me in this discussion is, yeah, I get it. It would make sense for, or, or it would be fun to see Florida schedule those games. But when you're committed to a coach that heavily in an investment with the contract Dan Mullen has, and you're Scott Strickland and you're looking at job security. And strength of schedule is never going to be an issue for Florida. Why in the world would it make sense to add tougher games? You know, and it's not that it's not that Strickland is necessarily opposed to it. It's just that it doesn't make a ton of sense to do it very often. Now, Florida will. I, I, I think the other thing that people overlook is, for whatever reason, 
people don't give credence to the idea that Florida, look, Florida just played Michigan in 2017 in a season opener. They're playing Miami in 2019, and this is on top of FSU every year. So, yeah, Florida's not playing home and homes outside the state of Florida, but it's not like Florida hasn't had ridiculously quality schedules either. Um, I, I think that Florida will probably add a non-conference game to start the season in the near future. Uh, specifically, the 2023 Chick-fil-A Bowl is one I would think fans need to keep an eye on. Um, and Scott Strickland has said they're they're talking to a major high-profile Power 5 program about a home-and-home home in the back half of the 2020s. Okay, and the, these are games that obviously, you know, teams are scheduling them 10 years out in advance because a lot of the other a lot of these other programs have some of the same scheduling concerns to deal with as Florida. Um, so I, I think the discussion to me, I get it. I understand it. You know, it's it's a hot topic that, you know, is great water cooler talk. But at the end of the day, one, like Dan Mullen said, people are sleeping a little bit on how difficult it is to play Florida State every season. Not only is Florida State traditionally a, a quality program, but that's also a game that's a rivalry where you just, there are just different energy levels and emotions in it, and it makes it a more challenging opponent. But Florida has also done pretty well scheduling tough opponents in the last you know couple years here, and I, I don't see any sign that that's going to change. I, I don't think it's going to change drastically the other way where Florida starts adding a bunch, but I don't think that Florida is in any rush to go schedule a Texas or a USC. And I get it. That can be disappointing for fans. But at the end of the day, that's what's right for Florida football, in my opinion. Um, you can look at the three national titles as, as proof of that. And, you know, that's the goal for Florida. It's to win national titles. You play in the SEC. You have a ridiculously tough annual opponent against LSU and Florida State every year. There's just no reason to make the schedule any tougher. All right, guys, that'll uh, wrap us up here on the Swamp 24-7 podcast. Like I said, we will have plenty of in-depth uh, information on the team's second scrimmage, which was closed to the media. So we'll be hitting some sources and hoping to provide that for you uh, here in the next few hours. Hopefully by the time you've listened to the podcast, it's already up on Swamp247.com. We encourage you to check out the site, give us support. If you like the podcast, uh, go ahead and leave us a good rating, and we will see you next time.